Welcome back to The Human Exception. This week, Courtney and I are going to tell you some bizarre and disturbing stories from the Grimm Fairy Tale Collection. We're also going to tell you a little bit about these stories and how they were once even worse than most of us know. Content warning, there will be foul language, of course, but these stories truly are disturbing and maybe uncomfortable for some listeners. These stories do discuss themes of cannibalism, death, and uh, suicide. So, yeah, let's get ready for another human exception. like one of those stories like yeah you know i was like reading a grim's fairy tale and then like you know uh a guy did a thing and he had a magic thing and he pissed off another magic thing and then there was a princess (laughs) yeah and in the end they all died that is pretty much the summary of (laughs) those stories pick one (laughs) one person was good yeah maybe good there's very fair, rarely anyone who's strict good in these stories, I find. Very rarely. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, welcome back to The Human Exception. This is Kayla, and I have Courtney with us. Hi. Hi. Uh, Nathan is um, smuggling meat. And uh, <laughs> and uh, Hallie is now in her new home. But, uh, yeah, she's just needs a time to chillax and... Yeah, so it's just going to be us tonight, and tonight we're going to be talking about grim fairy tales. Why does smuggling meat sound like sex work? It totally sounds like sex work. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to. I'm not going to clarify it. So. I feel like someone should have like an OnlyFans. It's just called smuggling meat, and maybe they <laughs> just put like steak in their underwear or something. You know what? It's the internet. I'm sure there's someone that'd be Somebody super into somewhere. that. Somebody yeah, somewhere that is somebody's that. fetish. <laughs> Somebody somewhere is like, oh, this is a good idea. <laughs> my ears are tingling. <laughs> They're talking about my super niche fetish somewhere. <laughs> All right, so yeah, grim fairy tales. Um, these are the original fairy tales. So all the stuff that you see on Disney, like Cinderella, Snow White, all that shit came from these. Um, original stories that were collected in Germany back in 1700s. Uh, I don't know what your situation was like, but um, when I was in high school, we had a teacher that covered some of them. Like, did you ever I, learn about them at school? I grew up reading these as a kid. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this explains um, some things. <laughs> yeah, um, I I had a Grimm's fairy tale book when I was little and that I would read. And then um, I also like grew up with some very dark, like the little match girl. You guys know the story of little match girl. No, no, it's like, it's supposed to be a, it was my Christmas. We had like a, like a, a book that was children's tales. And it was like, you read one every night for like a year. And it had the little match girl in it. And it's about a little girl who is selling matches in the snow and she's like really poor and she can't go home until she sells like a certain number of matches. And then like she 
um, like enters this fairyland or something. And then like at the end of the story, you find out she's just dead. Because <laughs> she uh, froze to death because she wouldn't light any of her matches. Because like she, she needed them. to sell them. Yeah, it's it's one of those, you know. So I grew up with some dark shit. And Jacob Tutu and the Hooded Fang, which was scary for me. <laughs> so I on record. Chris Hadfield, stop eating shit. Chris Hadfield. I don't know what he's eating. It's on the carpet. Um, sorry. <laughs> We're someone sitting a cat named Chris Hadfield. Someone somewhere is like, why are they yelling at astronauts? <laughs> so she just have astronauts wandering around your house eating off the floor, right? Yeah, so, like, I never had, uh, that one, like, sounds vaguely so familiar to me, and I never really had these stories growing up. We, I, my, like, favorite scary story thing was scary stories to tell in the dark. Mm, that was too we- scary for me. <laughs> well, the illustrations really bring it home, for sure. Yeah. That terrified the shit out of me, but I love them. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why, like, I was scared, I was too scared to do, like, scary stories to tell in the dark and, like, goosebumps, but, like, old, <laughs> old fairy tales and, like... Um, yeah, I also used to rent this Native American Legends book. That's what it was called. Um, when I was a kid from the school library, loved that. It also had a lot of weird, dark, and highly sexual things in it that were probably not age appropriate. <laughs> um, but I loved it. Yeah, I love uh, dark stuff like this. It's great. But like, and I would, and I would love to watch like Law and Order. <laughs> But, but you can't do horror. <laughs> yeah. Which is true today. Like, I, I think... Yeah, I can you're all about the true crime, scene. but you cannot deal with anything else. If no. it's fake, you can't deal with it. You can only deal with it if it's real. Yeah. I know how to deal with real monsters. <laughs> um, so, I did a bit of research, because I figured, what the fuck, why not? We're covering the Brothers Grimm, and, like, I know very little about it. Um... Of the fact that yeah, they were in Germany and there was a terrible movie back in like 2006 that was made that was not great. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So the brothers they were born in Hanau in Hanau uh, in Hessel Castle, which would then become Germany eventually, in 1785 and 1786, and they spent most of childhood in a nearby town of Steinhau. Their father died 19 in 1796, so like 10 years afterwards, and the the family was just left completely impoverished and um with the help of their aunt though they were able to the two brothers were able to attend the university of marburg and the brothers were inspired by a law professor a law professor who awakened their interest in storytelling and folklore a law professor of course yeah why not um, so yeah, their family was struggling with severe poverty. They did have a younger sister and younger brother, and um, their mother had a really hard, difficult time dealing with things. So eventually, the boys had to return home to take care of the family. And then they became so desperate that at one point, Wilhelm, one of the brothers, wrote to their aunt saying, "We five people eat only three portions and only once a day. Like that's oh, how bad things God. were." Yeah. So, in 1808, Jacob, the eldest brother, found full-time employment when he was appointed a court librarian <laughs> to the king of Westphalia. I don't know who that is. But wow! Also, right? how do you get that position as, like, an extremely... Like, appointed, like, so it's like, you! <laughs> you! Come yeah! A court, a court librarian. Man. 
right? Like, I don't know how you find that job or that job finds you. Um, so fortunately, the same year that Jacob got his dream job, his mother would pass. So that put Jacob completely responsible for all his siblings. Um, and Wilhelm would eventually join Jacob working at this library. So not only did one of them get become a court librarian, the other one joined in too. Wow. So, yeah, there's a resume. Um, but as with most library gigs, it paid very little. Um, but it gave them the time and opportunity to, to begin collecting stories. And they didn't really exactly plan to start gathering folktales, but their research would establish a methodology for collecting and recording folklore that became the basis for all folklore studies that's still today. So they were just super nerdy and like wrote out this methodology and how to do it, how to like, you know, appropriately take these stories and like transcribe them. And wow. yeah, we do you still use it today? I had no idea. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in 1812, as they published the first collection of the Grim Fairy Tales, at the time was there was 86 stories. Um, now, this collection would be revised seven times. Now, this is the big collection. There was a couple smaller books that were just like pieces of the collection, but like the main core book was done seven times. And the last edition was published in 1857 and contained 211 stories. 211. Oh. Wow. That's a lot of stories. Like, what are most of the... Like, I don't know the bulk of these oh, stories. And they're not... But also, like, they're not, like, very long, all of no. them. Yeah, like, some yeah. are really long and super detailed, and some of them are shorter, and some of them are basically the same story. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, some are just, like, yeah, a paragraph or two. So, there's that. So, um, they also went on to publish collections of Irish, Danish, and Norse folk folklore as well. So, oh. which I never knew that. Mm -mm. Um, yeah, so the two would start, they'd also start a passion project around this time that really never came to fruition as they wanted to write the definitive German dictionary. Um, yeah, Good so in, 1850, in 1859, Wilhelm died from infection and Jacob became reclusive and spent his remaining years working on the dictionary until he passed in 1863. The last entry that Jacob had managed to complete the dictionary was fruit, which is fruit in German. <laughs> they got, they got to FR. Wow. Yeah. German is such a complicated, like, from my perspective, like, German is such a complicated language, mostly just because, like, they string a bunch of words together to make a new word. Mm -hmm. Kind of like we do. But, like, like, I couldn't imagine trying to put together a fucking dictionary in German. Right. Like, no. It's worse than English, in my opinion. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, like, so much of like English and Spanish and all stuff. They, they're like Latin root languages where Germany is just Germans just like fucking whatever. <laughs> it's like yeah. so different. Goodness. Uh, yeah. So the stories themselves, they came from a plethora of sources and some weren't even strictly German, but were spread all across Europe with uncertain origins. So the Grimm's rewrote and edited their stories to reflect the German culture. So kind of the like German versions of the stories and reflect what was important in the culture at the time. And over the editions, there are modifications that were made to appease their audiences, um, slipping in Christian elements and paring down the sexual content. Apparently, mm. in the original Rapunzel, she and the prince managed to keep their relationship a secret until Rapunzel no longer fit in her dress because she was pregnant. And that's how Mother nice. Gothel found out. Nice. So she's like, I don't know why I don't fit in my dress anymore. And she's like, what the fuck? Get it. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, but uh, then they also began to add morals to the stories as well from the second edition on. Uh, most of the original tales really weren't child-friendly at all, which 
you know, Grim Fairy Toys have that um, reputation. And they mm-hmm. drew heavy criticism from the public and much pressure to remove these elements, especially elements of children being eaten and similar scenes. We don't want I mean, our kids reading this stuff. Name, like, it's so hard for any, like, so many children's stories have children being eaten. Like, that's how you kept your kids in line. Yeah. Right? You're either going to get eaten by a witch or you're going to get enslaved to a witch or you're just going to die. Yeah, and so like one thing that people say is like to the extent the cruelty and violence, violence that were in these stories may have been a real reflection of the medieval culture which one of these tales originated from. Because yeah, fear was the way of guiding people at the time. Because that was like you didn't want to treat your children children all softly. They had to be skeptical and scared of the world or they're gonna fucking die. Yeah. Goodness. So yeah, they um the original release was essentially supposed to be like a scholarly collection of folklore tales, but people started reading them to their kids and thinking they were kids' tales, and so that's when they got all this pressure from like the church and the public, like, can we make these a little more kid friendly? Um, so yeah, they softened some of the edges around some of them, and uh yeah, just over the years there's some changes that I've got written down here, which was um starting in the second edition, the brothers added a warning at the beginning of the book. So it's like a content warning that the stories were not some of the stories were not appropriate for children. Um, God, yep. And in the original version, Snow White the Queen was actually her mother, not her stepmother. And the same change happened oh. to many stepmother characters create or sorry, evil mother characters creating the evil stepmother trope. So they were all biological mothers originally. <laughs> so like wow. Hansel Gretel's like stepmom was actually their mom who didn't give a fuck. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> that also happens in real life. Like, I always wondered why it was always a stepmother who just, like, wanted right? to get rid of them. But I guess it makes sense if it was... I don't know. All of it is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, they fought pressure from the church to remove the more fantastical elements. And they managed to keep most of the plot points by removing nearly all references to fairies. So, originally, Rapunzel's keeper, Mother Gothel, was a fairy, apparently. Oh. Yeah. I thought she had always been a witch. Did they change it to a witch because witches were bad? Could be vilified, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. Or like, yes, witch sorceress was the term that was used a lot around the time. But same idea. Yeah, and um, huh. there were some stories that were cut all together. So there were, I think, there's like forty stories from the original book that you just never were published again. Um, one of them is this really fucked up story called "How Some Children Play at Slaughtering." In it, huge. <laughs> Do you know what this is? No! <laughs> so in it, two children play as a pig and a butcher. As part of a game, the brother's, the older brother slits his younger brother's throat, killing him. <laughs> Fucking when, what? Yeah. When their mother finds the scene, she becomes so enraged and kills the older brother. Okay. While she was off doing this, the youngest son drowns in the bath. <laughs> now, now the mother is so despondent that she hangs herself. Eventually, oh the father returns, and when he finds his whole family dead, he too dies of heartbreak. What the fuck? So there's no way you could Disneyfy that story. No, there's really not. <laughs> Just everyone fucking dies. Wow. Yeah, so that's brutal. I Like, I, what's the moral of that story? There wasn't one, which is part of the reason it was removed. I wonder... Like, like, like I want to know where that came from. Like... Most fairy tales and like stories and stuff have some kind of meaning, and this one is just kind of like eh, everybody died. Maybe it's just like 
Maybe it's a kind of a play on like don't cry wolf kind of thing. <laughs> don't pretend Maybe. too seriously. I wonder Maybe. actually I'm gonna do a Google and see what it says. Um Yeah, I I really I'm really like that's immediately I'm like, why what's the point of that story? Because usually you can tease something out of some of these. Like, sometimes it's a bit of a stretch, and it's overshadowed by, like, the bizarreness of the story. But that mm-hmm. one. Yeah, so it doesn't really say. Yeah, like, I'd probably have to do some more research to figure it out. But, yeah, nothing's immediately coming to uh, um, research or to the Googles. Wow. Nope. Yeah, not funny anything. Funny anything really. If you know, write us. <laughs> Tell us about yeah, it. Yeah, please. This is fucking weird. <laughs> well, and it's probably one of those things where it's like kind of lost to time now. Like, yeah, unless someone so like, else is a big fairy tale nerd, all of the Brothers Grimm and knows. <laughs> Yeah, like, a lot of these stories they collected, like, from oral sources of people, like, you know, peasants in smaller towns and stuff, and they wrote them down. And, like, some came from, like, medieval texts that are long gone. (laughs) So, yeah, it's, uh, it it, it is interesting, like, where some of these must have came from. I found a, (laughs) I was looking it up, too, and I found a fucking (laughs) picture that someone painted. I don't know why, and it's just, like, some children and they're all kind of creepy looking to start with and then there's one little boy with like a pot of blood and another little boy with a knife and he's like stabbed this other little dead boy in the head it's fucked oh my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is this who this is a modern painting this isn't like an old wood block or anything like what yeah, is no, this? what the fuck is that who is the serial killer and there's no information Robert, I, like the, I like the bird in the bushes. Right? Robert like, eh. Wang. He. Mm. Wow. He also has a painting called The Bear Who Believes He's a Christmas Tree Born into the Wrong Body. I'm sorry, what? Sorry. Let me go off on a tangent. Let me go off on a tangent and just look at weird pictures. Okay, like I want that hanging in my living room. Like that should right. be my Christmas card this year. I want this fish one. There's one where it's it's slum slum dweller complaining the city to the city, and it shows like fish in a building, and they've got like these cutouts, and then there's two snails on the pavement, and then there's a fish peeing on a hydrant. Oh like who is this person? Who are you, sir? Oh wow, there's so much going on there. Um, and just for the 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 bear being a Christmas tree as a description for the people at home it's a polar it's a polar bear that looks extremely traumatized with ornaments hanging off of it who is this guy <laughs> there's an episode who the there's fuck an is autobiography that? called expelled from nursery school <laughs> it's a pdf i downloaded it. i'm looking at it later this guy is so interesting um courtney's Vanderson, her next topic <laughs> He has a series called Gruesome Grimms. Interesting. So maybe he just made illustrations for the Grimm stories for fun? I, I think so. He's got like a whole series. Bluebeard's in here. Um, Hansel and Gretel, the Frog King. 
but like that that the the one with the kids is like the second worst one <laughs> there's one for fitcher's bird that's got a lot I'm, of i'm telling bodies. that one well i've got a picture for it <laughs> perfect anyway um, i'll stop i'll stop tangenting now wonderful okay so um so and so in some cases the stories had no magical conflict at all and were instead an environmental conflict be- caused by the horrific and difficult living conditions of medieval times. Um there's a story that was called The Children of Famine. It that begins like this. Once upon a time there was a woman with two daughters and they had become so boor- poor that they could no longer even find a piece of bread to eat. Their hunger became so great that their mother became unhinged and desperate. And indeed, she said to her children, I've got to kill you so that I can get something to eat. And it's okay. a story pretty much of like the mom, like, I need to kill you. Which one should I kill? Kind of thing. And the kids are like, no, don't kill us. <laughs> and then I'm like, pretty sure she ends up killing the kids and eating them. But <laughs> yeah, what's the moral of that story? I don't know. <laughs> don't don't be poor. <laughs> don't be poor. don't be poor the republican story oh my god just don't be poor do better um so yeah so in their preface the grims explained their interest in culture of the common people and their intention of recording these tales and this is a quote from the original books and it says it was perhaps just the right time to record these tales since those people who should be preserving them were becoming more and more scarce Wherever the tale still exists, they continue to live in such a way that nobody ponders whether they are good or bad, poetic or crude. People who know them and love them because they have simply absorbed them in a habitual way, and they take pleasure in them without having any reason. This is exactly why the custom of storytelling is so marvelous. Which, yeah, like, (laughs) no one cares whether they're good or not. (laughs) They're just tell them anyways. Yeah. I mean, we're telling them, and it's been like 200 years. All right. So do you want us to tell the first story? Sure. Um, just go back and forth, and yeah. Yeah, I'll start with the death of the little hen. <laughs> <laughs> One it's time, be a the happy little story. Sorry. It's such a happy story. One time, the little hen and the little rooster went to Nut Mountain, and they agreed that whoever would find a nut would share it with the other one. Now, the little hen found a large, large nut, but wanting to eat the kernel by herself, she said nothing about it. However, the kernel was so thick that she could not swallow it down. It got stuck in her throat, and fearing that she would choke to death, she cried out. How do you cry when you're choking? Uh, little rooster, I beg to you, run as fast as you can to the well and get me some water, or else I'll choke to death. The little rooster ran to the well as fast as he could and said, Well, give me some water, for the little hen is lying on Net Mountain. She swallowed a large nut kernel and is about to choke to death on it. The well answered, First, run to the bride and get some red silk from her. So the little rooster ran to the bride. Bride, give me some red silk, and I'll give the red silk to the well, and the well will give me some water, and I'll take the water to the little hen lying on Nut Mountain. She swallowed a large nut kernel and is about to choke to death. The bride answered, First run and get my wreath. It got caught on a willow branch. So the little rooster ran to the willow and pulled the wreath from its branch and took it to the bride, and the bride gave him some red silk, which he took to the well which gave him some water, and the little rooster took the water to the little hen. But when he arrived, he had already choked to death. 
and she lay there dead and did not move at all. The little <laughs> right. <laughs> the little rooster was so sad that he cried aloud, and all the animals came to mourn for the little red hen. Six mice built a small carriage, which was to carry the little red hen to her grave. When the carriage was finished, they hitched themselves to it, and the little rooster drove. On the way, they met the fox. Where are you going, little rooster? I'm going to bury my little hen. May I ride along? Yes, but you must sit at the rear, because my little horses don't like you too close to the front. So he sat at the rear, and when the wolf, the bear, the elk, the lion, and all the animals in the forest... Okay, there's words missing there. I think all of them are together on the cart. <laughs> they rode on until they came to a brook. How do we get across, said the little rooster. A straw was lying there next to the brook, and he said, I'll lay myself across and you can drive over me. But just as the six mice got onto the straw, it slipped into the water and the six mice all fell in and drowned. They did not know what to do until a coal came and said, I am large enough. I will lay myself across and you can drive over me. So the coal laid itself across the water, but unfortunately it touched the water, hissed and went out and was dead. A stone saw this happen, and wanting to help the little rooster, it laid itself across the water. The little rooster pulled the carriage himself. He nearly reached the other side with the little dead hen, but there were too many others seated on the back of the carriage, and the carriage rolled back, and they all fell into the water and drowned. Now the little rooster was all alone with the dead little hen. He dug a grave for her and laid her inside. Then he made a mound on top and sat on it and grieved there so long that he too died, and then everyone was dead. The end. <laughs> See again, it's like, what is the moral of the story? Why? Like I read this and I was like, why? I guess like don't break aid. your promises. Learn first aid. Don't be greedy. <laughs> don't offer to help. Oh yeah, don't be greedy. That'd be that that's yeah. <laughs> oh, and then she broke her promise too by being greedy. But like, yeah. what about all these animals that helped her, right? Yep, they all get punished for her sin, apparently. Goodness. I was just like, I don't understand. Um, yeah, so that was when I read just because it made me laugh because it was so ridiculous and convoluted for everyone just to die. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's great. Thank all you. right. <laughs> so the first one that I've got here is called God's Food. Once there were two sisters. The one had no children and was rich. The other had five children and was a widow and was so poor that she no longer had enough bread to feed herself and her children. In distress, she went to her sister and said, my children are starving. You are rich. Give me a bite of bread. The rich but hard-hearted woman said, I don't have anything in my house either. And with angry words, she sent the poor woman away. Sometime later, the rich sister's husband came home and wanted to cut himself a piece of bread. But when he cut into the loaf, red blood gushed from it. When his wife saw this, she became horrified and told him what had happened. He hurried away and wanted to help. And when he entered the poor widow's room, he found her there praying. She was holding the two youngest children in her arms, and the three eldest ones were already lying there dead. He offered her food, but she answered, We no longer need earthly food. God has filled three already and will hear our prayers as well. She had hardly uttered these words when the two small ones stopped breathing, whereupon her heart broke too, and she sank down dead. Wow. The church let that one go? 
I know, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know if which edition this came from, but I mean, usually in these stories, like good poor people get like saved by God or something, and this one they just died. Like, I guess it's like help your neighbor or something. I don't know. Yeah, like don't let your sister and her children starve to death. But like. Damn, there's no incentive for being a good poor person in that case. God. Yeah, no. He <laughs> said just I guess you horrify your brother-in-law by dying in front of him. Yeah. Maybe there's like an extended one where like the brother-in-law like leaves the bad sister <laughs> or cuts her into pieces or something. And feeds the <laughs> feeds the poor one with the, the body of the rich one. And then, like, sells all his stuff and feeds poor people. I don't know. <laughs> I just feel like that one's unsatisfying. <laughs> I know, right? But it was so bizarre. It's like, oh, she just she's just gonna sit there and die. He can just go. It's fine. Yeah, it's 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 fine. Too late. Y'all fucked up. I'm out. Peace. <sighs> all right. Um, my second one is called Frau Trude. Um. And it begins, once upon a time, there was a small girl who was strong-willed and forward, and whenever her parents said anything to her, she disobeyed them. How could anything go well with her? One day, she said to her parents, I have heard so much about Frau Trudy. Someday I want to go to her place. People say amazing things are seen there, and such strange things happen there, and I have become very curious. Her parents strictly forbade her, saying, Frau Trudy is a wicked woman who commits godless acts. If you go there, you will no longer be our child. But the girl paid no attention to her parents and went to Frau Trudy's place anyway. When she arrived there, Frau Trudy asked, Why are you so pale? Oh, she answered, trembling all over. I saw something that frightened me. What did you see? I saw a black man on your steps. That was a charcoal burner. And then I saw a green man. That was a huntsman. And then I saw a blood red man. That was a butcher. Oh, Frau Trudy, it frightened me when I looked through your window, but I could not see you, but instead saw the devil with a head of fire. Aha, she said. So you saw the witch properly outfitted. I have been waiting for you and wanting for you a long time. Light the way for me now. With that, she turned a girl into a block of wood and threw it into the fire. And when it was thoroughly aglow, she sat down next to it and warmed herself by it, saying, It gives such a bright light. <laughs> so the oh, moral you of the story... Oh, actually a witch? <laughs> she's <laughs> actually a witch, witch? The moral of the story is, don't be strong-willed, forward, or curious as a Never. woman. Yeah. Never. I, no, don't. It don't, does nothing don't, good don't, for you. Don't go talk to strangers and listen you, to your mom. You, you will be seduced by the powers of Satan. And burn. <laughs> and turned into firewood. Yeah, literally burn. You will literally burn if you are curious, young girl. <laughs> uh, so uh, when I was looking through stories, I always like the ones where, like, it's always, like, girls as the main character for me. Mm -hmm. But all of them are always, like, be good, be compliant, be soft-spoken, do as you're told. It's Everything like a running theme. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I was like, I would be like, <laughs> I'm going to the witch's house. Bye. But we always tend to get set on fire. There's a yep. couple like instances where that isn't true. Like there's a couple where like the girls are insanely clever 
and like think of smart ways out of situations, but they're almost never seen as good people. So I don't know. Well, I don't like I, it. I have one that might change that. All right. So I guess our last story Fitcher's Bird. Once upon a time, there was a sorcerer who disguised himself as a poor man. He went begging from house to house and captured beautiful girls. No one knew where he took them, for none of them ever returned. One day, he came to the door of a man who had three beautiful daughters. He, appe- he appeared to be poor, a weak beggar, and, and he carried a pack basket on his back, as though he wanted to collect some benevolent offerings. He asked for an... Sorry, he asked for a bite to eat. When the oldest daughter came out to give him a piece of bread, he simply touched her, and she was forced to jump into the basket. Then he hurried away with powerful strides and carried her to his house, which stood in the middle of a thick, dark forest. Everything was splendid in the house, and he gave her everything that she wanted. And he said, My dear, you will like it here with me. You will have everything that your heart desires. So it went for a few days, and then he said to her, I have to go away and leave you alone for a short time. Here are the house keys. You may go everywhere and look at everything except for the one room that this little key here unlocks. I forbid you to go there on the penalty of death. He also gave her an egg, saying, Take good care of this egg. You should carry it with you at all times, for if you should lose it, a great misfortune would follow. She took the keys and took the egg and promised to take good care of everything. As soon as he had gone, she walked about the house from top to bottom, examining everything. The rooms glistened with silver and gold, and she thought that she had never seen such splendor. Finally, she came to the forbidden door. She wanted to pass by it, but curiosity gave her no rest. She examined the key, and it looked like any other one, so she put it into lock and twisted it a little, and the door sprang open. What did she see when she stepped inside? A large, bloody basin stood in the middle, inside which there was a cut up parts of dead girls. Nearby, there was a wooden block with a glistening axe lying on it. She was so terrified that the egg, which she'd been holding in her hand, fell into the basin. She got it out and wiped off the blood, but it was to no avail, for it always came back. She scrubbed and wiped, and she couldn't get rid of the stain. Not long after, the man returned from his journey, and he immediately asked for the key and the egg. She handed them to him, him, shaking all the while, for he saw from the red stain that she had been in the blood chamber. You went into the chamber against my will, he said, and now now against your will you shall go into it once again. Your life is finished. He threw her down, dragged her by her hair into the chamber, cut off her head in the block, and then cut her up into pieces, and her blood flowed onto the floor. Then he threw her into the basin with the others. Now I'll go get the second one, said the sorcerer, and again, disguised as a poor man, he went to their house begging. The second sister brought him a piece of bread, and as he had done to the first, he captured her by merely, merely touching her and carrying her away. It, it went with her no better than it had gone with the other sister. She let herself be led astray by curiosity, opened the blood chamber, and looked inside. And when he returned, she paid with her life. Then he went and captured the third sister, but she was clever and sly. After he had given her the keys and the egg and gone away, she carefully put the egg aside and then examined the house entering the finally forbidden chamber. Oh, what she saw. Her two dear sisters were lying there in the basin, miserably murdered and chopped into pieces. In spite of this, she proceeded to gather their parts together, placing them back in order. Head, body, arms, and legs. 
Then when nothing else was missing, the parts began to move. They joined together and the two girls opened their eyes and came back to life. Rejoicing, they kissed and hugged one another. When the man returned home, he immediately demanded the keys and the egg. And when he was unable to detect any trace of blood on them, he said, you have passed the test. You shall be my bride. He now had no more power over her and he had to do whatever she demanded. Good, she answered. But first, you must take a basket full of gold to my father and mother. You must carry it there on your back. In the meanwhile, I'll make, I'll make my preparations for the wedding. Then she ran, into, ran to her sisters, whom she had hidden in a closet, and said, The moment is here when I can rescue you. Oh, sorry. The, the moment is here when I can rescue you. The evildoer himself shall carry you home. As soon as you, you have arrived at home, send help to me. She put them both into the basket, then covered them entirely with gold so that nothing could be seen. Then she called the sorcerer and said, Now carry this basket away, but you are not to stop and rest underway. Take care, for I shall be watching you through my little window. The sorcerer lifted the basket onto his back and walked away with it. However, it pressed down so heavily on him that sweat began to run down his face. He sat down wanting to rest, but immediately one of the girls in the basket called out, I am looking through my little window and I can see that you're resting. Walk on. He thought that it was his bride calling him, so he got up again. And then he again went to sit down, but someone immediately called out, I am looking through my little window and I can see that you're resting. Walk on. Every time that he stopped walking, someone called out, and he had to walk on until, groaning and out of breath, he brought the basket and the gold, with the gold and the two girls, to their parents' house. At home, the bride was making preparations for the wedding feast, to which she had, to which she had, had the sorcerer's friends all invited. Then she took a skull with grinning teeth, adorned with adorned it with jewelry, with wreath flowers, and carried it to the attic window and let it look out. When everything was ready, she dipped herself into a barrel of honey and then cut open the bed and rolled around until she looked like a strange bird and no one would be able to recognize her. Then she walked out of the house. Underway, some of the guests met her and they asked, You, Fitcher's bird, where are you coming from? And she said, I'm coming from, the, I'm coming from Fitcher's house. What is his young bride doing there? She has swept the house from bottom to top and now she is looking out the attic window. Finally, her bridegroom met her. He was slowly walking back home, and like the others, he asked, You, Fitcher's bird, where are you coming from? I am coming from Fitcher's house. What is my young bride doing there? She has swept the house from bottom to top, and now she's looking out of the attic window. The bridegroom looked up, seeing the decorated skull he thought was his bride, and he waved a friendly greeting to her. After he and all the guests had gone into the house, the bride's brothers and relatives arrived. They had been sent to rescue him. After closing up the doors in the house so that no one could escape, they set it afire, and the sorcerer, together with his gang, all burned to death. And that's okay. <laughs> so yeah, there's a super clever girl. Got away. I like it. But she yeah. was a good girl, and he was a bad wizard. Yep. And apparently she's like a necromancer or something. Crazy. Apparently a necromancer. <laughs> um... <laughs> I had a thought and it left me. Okay. It it was a good one, but I don't know where it went. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. So yeah, that is the Grim Fairy Tales. There are plenty more. We'll include a link on the website that you so you guys can read them yourself. They are all in public domain now, so you can find them and different versions of them all over the place. So have fun and uh I guess we'll see you soon, guys.
Be good. Be good. Or, bad. or don't. Or bad. Don't be poor. Find Satan. Or don't. And that's it for this week. Next week, we hope to be back on our regularly scheduled programming. But what that is, I don't know yet. So you'll find out when I do. As always, links, pictures, and additional information can be found on our website at thehumanexception.com. To keep up with all things exceptional, be sure to follow us on Twitter or Facebook at The Human Exception. Have a story that you want us to cover? Want to tell us that we're wrong or you just want to say hi? You can email us at thehumanexception at gmail.com. And if you want to get in on the fun, you can come join us on our Discord server. Link can be found on our contact page. Keep on being exceptional, my humans, and have a wonderful weekend. Bye.